the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we're doing another album review. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going big. We're going hard into the world of 90s folk rock. Woo! Folk rock, baby! <laughs> Singer-songwriter, baby! Yeah! Um... I mean, we've 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 touched on this, and it's really no surprise um, that uh, you know I'm a fan of music, and mm-hmm. I like all kinds. I mean, we did uh, we did some Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, you yeah. know, earlier this year. So, uh, so today we are going to be talking about the singer songwriter Sean Colvin and her album Cover Girl. So, Adam, what is your relationship with this album? My relationship with this album is from our mother and it's like <laughs> yes. it's basically i remember the cd case mom <laughs> had the cd case do i re- could i have named a single song on this album hell no um do i kind of maybe remember some of these songs eh, not really <laughs> so <laughs> the my relationship with sean colvin Covergirl is our mom was definitely a fan of like female singer songwriters like the Mary Chapin Carpenters, yeah. the Melissa Etheridge's, the Sean Colvin's. And I remember, Oh, when you call, when you called this one out, I looked at the picture of the album. I was like, Oh yeah. I remember seeing that album. Yes. In a CD next to our stuff. And that's about it. That's, that is my relationship. Do you have a further okay. relationship with Sean Colvin? I do, which is entirely the reason why I picked this album. Cause okay. you know, nobody's going to call this album out for any reason. Probably, I know that is a bad album. It's just not a. It's not a more nope. well known one. I will. I will honestly be shocked if any of our listeners have heard either of Sean Colvin or <laughs> or have heard this album. Yeah, uh, maybe not that shocked. She did have one so, yeah. big radio hit. Okay. Uh, so, like you're, 19... so you're going for the big listens for like for you know we're just ton, tons of people are going to come flock to this Sean Colvin <laughs> episode. Exactly. So uh, I did, I did pick this for a very sp- specific and special reason, and the the reason is this. So uh, this, as you mentioned, this was a, 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 a favorite of our mother's. Actually, she once told me Sean Colvin was her favorite singer. Okay. And this album got so much play in our house. I mean, it was on all the time. You know, cleaning weekends, mm-hmm. any any time music was played, um, it would probably be inevitable that this one of Sean Colvin's albums would make a rotation. So this album is her third album, and it is, as the title suggests, it is all cover songs. Mm-hmm. And Mom played this a lot, and the reason that this means a lot to me is, I believe I was in eighth grade. I am positive I was in eighth grade that mom had tickets to go see Sean Colvin at the Symphony Hall in Atlanta, and whoever she was going to go with couldn't go. Mm. So knowing that I enjoyed listening to the Sean Colvin album, mom took me to this concert. Oh, okay. It was my first concert. Oh, that's sweet. So it was my first time actually remembering going to see a specific artist. Now, technically speaking, she was not the first one I saw because she had an opening act. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Um, and, but I actually fell in love with her opening act as well, um, and he did have one big radio hit. I think it was like it was either in 99 or in the early 2000s, um, but it was a guy named David Gray. Oh, yeah. I, and he I had a big had hit called this. Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
Uh, but this was like, this would have been, I believe, it was either late 94 or early 95. I want to say it was early 95. Okay. And so I had never, you know, I was big into music, sort of. I wasn't as big into it yet as, as you know, these things would kind of force me into. Um, but I remember going to see this live concert, and I believe David Gray played by himself. And then Sean Colvin came out with a couple of different guys. It was very, very low-key, very small, intimate setting. Mm-hmm. But I'd never experienced a concert before. Not like this anyway. You know, not I'm not talking about like a band concert or, you know, a school concert or something like that. But like a, where I went to go see an artist. Mm-hmm. And I felt, I that was, it was at that point when I was like, I need to make this something I do. I need to make perform because I was so enamored with the singing and the performance and it wasn't even like it was you know it was just people standing in a mic but i was so enamored with it that immediately afterwards i made mom buy me a david gray album and that was when i really hit it hard trying to learn how to play guitar okay so this album was just kind of the catalyst that really pushed me into what eventually became my career my mm-hmm. life's work if you will i don't yeah. know how you want to say it <laughs> so i had a hard time picking between two albums to do um i this i i chose this one because this was the one that i remembered listening to the most when we were kids mm-hmm. and i had probably the most nostalgic love for critically speaking i do love her i really enjoy her original stuff um, and I think her album Fat City is probably my favorite for that. And I almost mm. picked that one because it has like two or three of my favorite songs that she's ever written on there. Okay. But if I was being if I was being honest with myself, this was the one that really set it off, and so this is the one I chose to do. Um, so if you're listening to this and you've never heard of Sean Colvin and you listen to her and you like the stuff, I really recommend going back and, and listening to her. Uh, her older stuff. Uh, she played through most of the '90s. She got. Uh, she had one big hit in like '97, and that was a song. Sunny came home. Do you remember that one? Nope. Anyone who's closer to my age will probably remember Sunny Came Home. It did get a lot of radio play. It's not my favorite Sean Col- Colvin song, so I, I, I like her earlier stuff. And then after that, she kind of fell off the radar a little bit because she started doing like kids' music. Oh, okay. I think she had a kid, and that's why. Yeah. But uh, I, she's had a, she's been toured, she toured a little bit ever since then. She had a little bit of a resurgence. Maybe it's just because my social media pulled me this way. Um, she, she did a, she started doing a lot of virtual concerts when COVID hit and I've actually been watching and enjoying those. So she'll just get on like Facebook live and mm-hmm. play some songs. She's had people come in and play with her like Lyle Lovett. Um, oh, nice. Some other big name guys that are escaping my head at the moment. But anyway, anyway, that's sort of my long winded backstory as to why I chose this album. All right. So the album came out in on August 23rd, 1994. Um, and it was Recorded uh, on the Columbia label, recorded at Sony Music Studios. A lot of these are live. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that. You can, I mean, you can, you, you can tell one that one. There's some cheers, but also some of them have that like that roomy feel, like that reverby kind of feel. In yeah. There. yeah, which to me just completely speaks volumes as to her abilities as a live musician, mm-hmm. because it is not only is it her singing, but it is her playing the guitar. And she is not only a uh, great singer, but a fantastic uh, kind of folk guitarist. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, they are all cover songs. So I will kind of mention where each one comes from. Most, some some of them are not surprising. A few of them are kind of surprising, like where she pulled them from. Um, She had a lot of different people uh, who were doing different stuff on on these, mostly because I think that some of them were taken from different live sessions and all that sort of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm only going to call out a couple of people. 
who were uh, besides Sean Colvin, um, one of which was is is sort of ironic in that in in that uh, one song, well, which I'll mention when we get to, um, Mary Chapin Carpenter makes a appearance. Mm-hmm. Before I put Sean Colvin on the schedule, it was originally going to be a Mary <laughs> Chapin Carpenter album. <laughs> yeah, so which I, I, Mom was I, a big fan of her too. Yeah. Um, and the only other one I'm really going to pull out is there was a drummer by the name of Kenny Arnoff who uh, I'm not sure which song he appeared on. He it was probably one of the live ones. But Kenny Arnoff is a big, big name in the world of session drumming. He tours. He's toured with everybody. Um, he got his start as John Mellencamp's touring drummer. Okay. So when John Mellencamp hit it big, he was his touring drummer, and then he's just played with everyone. Um, he used to be the 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 drummer for uh, the Kennedy Center Honors. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the early ones in the in the from like 2000 up to like the early 2010s, if you saw them, he was the drummer in the back. Um, he's he's toured with a bunch of people. He toured with um, Smashing Pumpkins when Jim Jimmy Chamberlain was removed from the band for drug problems. So when they needed mm. to tour, they called Kenny Arnoff. Um, he's known for a couple things. He's got a, he's got a pretty big nose. And the word on the street is is that he has this interesting style where he puts his hi-hat on the right side. So he's playing kind of like it was a ride cymbal because when you play mm. on a hi-hat, you're usually crossing. This guy does not know the meaning of the word ceiling. His hands play from like way up here, and the rumor is is that at one point he was playing so hard that he actually smacked his nose and broke his nose, <laughs> and so he moved the hi hat to the open side so that it would never he would never have to cross his face. Oh, wow. that's funny. I don't know if any of that was true, but it made for a good story. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Adam, did you want to add anything before we go in? Uh, just a couple small things. This album received a Grammy nomination for best contemporary folk album. And it peaked at number 48 on the Billboard 200 album chart. This was um, Sean Colvin's second highest charting album. Uh, the, the one that she had directly following this one, um, that I guess that single that you mentioned was on. Uh, yeah. The album was called A Few Small Repairs, and it hit number 39 on the album charts. And it, was, it did go platinum. I think that was the only, it was the only one of her albums that went platinum. Yeah. So as I mentioned, they are all covers, so they're all coming from different things. Um, and we start out with probably the best known cover on this album, mm-hmm. where she covers uh, a police song for Sting and the Police, and she does every little thing he does is magic. Well, I tried before to tell him the feelings I have for him in my heart. Every time that I come near him, I just lose my nerve like I've done from the start. If it ain't thing does is magic, if it does just turns me on. All right, so she she I will say this for every cover she does she it's still she makes it sound like a Sean Colvin song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know if you're not familiar with her style, as we get to go in, you'll sort of you'll start to hear her sort of you know guitar style, singing style, and all that stuff. Um, I thought she did a very good job covering, you know, a, a very popular song and making it sound like a folk rock song. Yeah, it sounded like her own. Uh, I d- when this one kind of came on, I kind of had the hints of like, okay, I think I'd heard this before. You know, I, I definitely remember Sean Colvin's voice, though. When she started singing, I was like, okay, I do remember your voice. Uh, yeah, this version's cute. It's poppy. <laughs> not, you know, poppy folk. Um, right. It's not as good as The Police. It's just not. This version is not as good. As, and and, and uh, it hit number 65 on the UK charts. Didn't chart in the US. Okay. I disagree with you that the I don't disagree with you that the police version is better, but I I disagree that it's as better as you're making it seem. <laughs> I'm making everyone out there. I'm making it seem as exactly much better as it is, <laughs> which it's better. It's better. It's it's a good it's a good version. Um, I think it's just coming down to her voice. For you, okay. I'm guessing. 
No, I mean, I like her voice. I mean, you've never, I don't think you've ever been the singer-songwriter type. Um, no, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not really. So, so uh, but I, I, I think when I was a teenager, uh, this one was my favorite because it was a police song, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I, I do enjoy, uh, I think it's a good way to start out a cover album with one that most yeah. people are going to know. Uh, to kind of hook you back, to hook you in. Yeah, it's definitely so, one of the more upbeat I enjoy songs on the album as well. All right, well, let's move on to the next one, which is a Tom Waits song. So there's another pretty big name yep. in, in the world of uh, kind of rock and roll. And a song called Looking for the Heart of Saturday Night. Well, you guessed her up behind the wheel with your orange sweet. Oldsmobile Barreling down the boulevard Looking for the heart Of Saturday night You got paid On Friday Your pockets are jingling You see the lights And you get all tingling Cause you're cruising with a six Looking for the heart Of Saturday night It's a sweet song. I like her version. I probably like her version better than I like Tom Waits' version. But Tom Waits' voice, I've never mm-hmm. been full a full-on fan of, of Tom Waits. I think he's got a good voice, but, yeah. like, I've just, I don't know. I've never, never been entirely sold on it. So I probably prefer I her version to it. Yeah, I can't say I actually know the original at all. Um you know, it, it's this is yeah. Her song's very chill. It's kind of you know got that that story definitely s- storytelling feel that I get from this. Yeah, and, and, and singer songwriter folk, you know, artistic or uh, you know just acoustic kind of feel to it. Um, this version, this song isn't really drawing me in. I'm actually kind of I was a little bit bored, but I, I do I do feel like I remembered it. Um, mm-hmm. just again another little hint of oh, I've heard this somewhere in my life. All right, that's fine. And then I kind of moved on. I will kind of address this. On the whole, this is an album I would listen to if I'm just trying to chill out. Yeah. If I'm just if I'm trying to like, you know, not have any noise, if I want music that to listen to that is just going to kind of calm me down, it's this sort of album is one that mm-hmm. I would probably go to. Yeah, I can see that. It's not going to have a whole bunch of of hugely upbeat songs it's mostly mid-tempo to low tempo singer songwriter pseudo crooting that sort of thing all right uh well let's go ahead and move to the next one uh which uh is written by a guy named greg brown who was a actually an, a musician in I- in iowa oh hey we like iowa we like iowa uh and this one actually features mary chapin carpenter and it's called One Cool Remove. One cool the things that One cool see the city. See it all in a passion play. One cool remove away. One cool remove from the white sun. Rising like a It's again. It's another sweet, you know, slow song. I do enjoy uh, when uh, uh, Sean Colvin and Mary Chapin Carpenter are singing harmony together. Mm-hmm. I've never liked the weird, creepy pseudo whisper talk <laughs> that she does. I was gonna say I the never, same thing. It's awful. I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. And that's the and only it, bad thing I have to say about the song, really. And who's doing the who's doing the whispering? Who's doing the the I think uh, uh, the I think the whispering is Mary Chapin Carpenter. Okay, couldn't remember, but yeah, um, yeah that that part. This was easily my least favorite of those first three songs, <laughs> at least. Like I was right. like, "What the fuck is this?" Um, though they're, they're agreed, their harmony they sound good together, 
Um, yeah. And I don't remember Mary Chapin Carpenter's voice off the top of my head. And I can't remember if I like hers better than Sean Colvin or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, they sounded fine together. This hit number 40 in the UK charts. Didn't chart in the US. Okay. Um, but yeah, so far, I'm just like, okay, easily. Let's let's <laughs> one cool move remove along, from me along. wanting to listen to this shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not not even close. And granted... I wasn't digging really hard the first two. <laughs> I hope our mother does not listen to this album. Yeah, don't worry, our mom. Or does to not this episode, to excuse me, to this episode, because yeah. you're not gonna, you're gonna get an earful, I think. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's. This is probably gonna be a short episode then. All right, well, let's move. <laughs> when your when your on. main talker doesn't want to talk too much on the podcast, <laughs> it's just like, good. <laughs> Uh, all right, so the next one um, is another live version, and it was written by a guy named Willis Allen Ramsey, um, who I've actually never heard of, but apparently he's kind of a mainstay of uh, of people um, in sort of like the like Texas, Oklahoma, that area. He probably okay. he probably toured all those big cities, did a lot of Americana, that sort of thing. Uh, and the song is called Satin Sheets. Wish I was a millionaire. Play rock music and grow long hair Tell your boys I'd buy a new rose of rose Pretty people will come to me I'd give them all the third degree I'd give them sad shades And keep them off the street What's it do you? Praise the Lord and pass the mescaline. Praise Jehovah. Here come all the soon as you see me boogie woogie across the silver screen. This one's okay. This one's just kind of like a, a filler song to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, I definitely remember just the tone that she uses and the way she sings. Um, but I, I don't ever, the, like, this, this is not one of my more favorite ones mm-hmm. on the album. Yeah. The way you say, I guess her tone was slightly different and that's probably why I wrote the note. I feel like I remember this song, maybe even the best out of so far of these, these first four. Um, okay. but yeah, I just got something about it. I kind of remember the mo- most, um, yeah. Another simple kind of feeling song. Again, more chill. This is going to be a chill vibe album. Um, yeah. I like this one enough, but so far, I'm not planning on playing any of these songs on loop uh, anytime soon. <laughs> Adam, do you uh, do you use satin sheets? I actually did at one point, <laughs> not not anymore. <laughs> um, but back when I was when I was a single man, I think this is when I lived in Denver. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, when I lived in Denver at one point, I was living you know alone, and I was like, man, I want to try and get some satin sheets. That'd be sexy. They weren't sexy. They were fucking slippery as hell. I did not enjoy them, and so they did not last. You know, I did. I did not care for them. No, and if you have like, um, you know, like either calluses on your toes or like, you know, you you have sharp toenails or whatever, or, yeah. or whatever, it'll catch and it'll like, you know, it'll catch them and kind of rip them a little bit easier. So satin sheets, no, no gusta. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like. Uh, it doesn't seem like the the best type of uh, sheets for like. Like making making whoopee because you get no traction. Yeah. Yeah, yes, and I and I've done that on the sheets, and they're exactly traction is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, let's move on to uh, the next song, which was written originally written by a singer songwriter by the name of Judy Sill, who actually died in 1979 from a drug overdose. And Judy Sill was the first person to be signed to uh, the Asylum label, which was one of David Geffen's uh, labels. Okay. So she was the first one to, to be assigned to him. Uh, and the song is There's a Rugged Road. There's a rugged road on the prairie Stretching all across the last frontier there are strangers drive solitary. The blessed is the lonesome pioneer. Roll on, roll on, roll on. Night birds are flying. Come on, the light's gone. Hold 
So I think uh, I actually think that Sean Colvin did a really good job of kind of throwing back a little bit to that '70s folk style. Um, mm-hmm. You hear a little bit of uh, the pedal steel guitar a little bit in okay, there, right. which was very prominent in a lot of the '70s folk stuff, like when we talked about Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and so I, I think it was. Uh, I think she did a good job. I, I, I like the song. This one does is not one of the ones that catches me, but I'd probably put it like middle, mm-hmm. middle of the pack for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I felt her her early on uh, before. Like I do like that there are backup singers that come up. It actually mm-hmm. kind of adds a nice little fuller sound. So you, you yeah. get some kind of like I guess some male deeper voice in there that kind of works. It, it, it all kind of works really well. Fills out um, the vocal sound to it. And it, it yeah. was all, not even just feels that it's a new sound, which I liked and I appreciated that it was something slightly different. Well, with a lot of the ones that are live, because she's kind of a folk singer when she's touring, she's mostly just touring with herself, maybe mm-hmm. her and one or two other people. So it's it's always going to feel like that singer songwriter vibe, mostly because it's expensive to hire musicians to tour around with you. So if you're yeah. a singer songwriter who can just go out there with just your guitar and yourself to make money, that's what you're going to do. And a lot of these live versions are going to be similar to that. Mm-hmm. So ones yeah. that you can get into the studio, like this one, you can fill it out with more musicians and that sort of thing. Yeah, and that was nice. Um, I will say, actually, I really liked her voice, even her solo voice at the beginning. It just felt like, I don't know, it just felt like her vo- her her vocals sounded particularly good on this song mm-hmm. early on. Uh, like singing that chorus, and then when it kind of a little bit later, when the background people kind of jumped in, I like that. I like that. So, I mean, this, yeah, yeah, the song itself, eh. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am getting something a little bit different, which I appreciated um, in this album by hearing that one. All right, well, let's move on to the next one, which is a live version. I think is mostly her and her guitar. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, if there's other musicians on her. And it was a song written by a guy named Rolly Saley, who is actually the uh, bass player for Chris Isaac. Okay, cool. like Chris Isaac. Wicked game, baby. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he this particular tune has actually been covered by a good number of people. Huh. Uh, most notably, Robert Plant covered a version of this song. And most recently, <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus covered a version of this song <laughs> oh billy back in 2015 Woo. uh and it's called killing the blues leaves are falling just like embers the colors red and gold they set us on fire burning just like moonbeams in our eyes Somebody said they saw me swinging the world by the tail, bouncing over a white cloud, killing the blues. Now I am guillotine. I definitely remembered this song from. You know, I went back and and going back and listening to this album, this one, I'm like, oh, I definitely remember this one playing in the background. I also remember not this one not being particularly a big favorite of mine, just because I was it was always like too slow and it seemed like it took yeah. forever to go anywhere. Um, so it, it's fine. It's 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 not a bad song to have in the background of something, but I didn't pay attention a lot to it. Mm-hmm. It is it is very very chill. Um, it does seem like a song, you know, that it would be nice to like, you know, lay lay down in bed, close your eyes, find some kind of find your relaxation. Yeah. And this seem seems like it could be a good for that or something similar. Um I wasn't in that mood, and so I did not like <laughs> like the <this> song. <laughs> but I can see how another person at a different point in their day might like this song. <laughs> okay. I think that's as good as we're going to get from you, so we're going to have to take it. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be no arguing in that case. Uh, All right. Um, And then we're going to go to maybe the most upbeat, if you could call it upbeat song, Mm -hmm. on the album, and probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite, actually. 
which was actually written by a guy named Tom Littlefield who was with a Nashville band called The Questionnaires. And if I'm remembering this correctly, The Questionnaires were like a Nashville rock band in the late 80s. And I actually listened to their version of this song. It actually reminded me a lot of R.E.M. Oh, okay, cool. So I, 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 think, I think maybe she was in Nashville and heard them play this, and that's where she got this from. Because I, I had to look up – I found their video on YouTube, but I found nothing anywhere else about who the questionnaires were. So uh, I, yeah, I think they were just a, a local Nashville rock band, and that's where she got the song from. It's called Window to the World. So you get a little bit more of the rock feel out of the the you know the folk rock, more emphasis on the rock on this one. Um, and I've listened to both versions. I actually still think I prefer her version over their version because their version, it sounds it's it's like a cross between like rock and and new wave. So it has it has it sounds a little REM ish, mm-hmm. like early REM, and it's fine. But I definitely I think maybe I'm just so you much used to it, but I definitely. Uh, preferred Sean Colvin's version of the song. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. The The tempo pickup was necessary. I was needing that. And <laughs> yeah. and that's, prob- that's probably why I also probably consider this one to be, if you can say, a favorite of this album. I'll say that mm-hmm. this one was probably my favorite of the album, even though my next note is, it's still not really grabbing me. It's fine. Um, but this is my favorite <laughs> of the album. <laughs> favorite song of the album. Um it's a nice little song, and and I do I do like it better. And I and I after killing the blues, it was a welcome pace to get something a little bit faster. Yeah, and probably why they put it there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it is the longest one too at five minutes, but actually didn't feel like five minutes to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It helps. Yeah, it was de- de- definitely um definitely definitely better definitely better than <laughs> other stuff. Sorry. All right. All right, well, now we're going to get to a song that was written by Steve Earle, a very yep. uh, famous singer. Copperhead mostly known for Yeah, yeah sorry. great song. <laughs> great song. Okay. Absolutely. I don't, know, I don't know anybody, even if you're, like, not a fan of, like, blues and country or any of that kind of stuff, Copperhead Road comes on, and you're like, fuck yes, Copperhead Road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this one is called Someday. So I can definitely kind of hear the Steve Earle influence in this one. I wrote that too. I wrote definitely Steve Earle sounding song here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just kind of the way it was written. And even even with her voice, I kind of still get that that vibe with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice enough song. Yeah. You know, like I said, and it, it's, it's going to feel weird that if, if a lot of these songs, I'm like, yeah, it's a good song. And I'm not like really like pounding mm-hmm. like how much I love them. And that's 
because again, out of her out of her album, this one's not my favorite, but this is the one that I'm most nostalgic for what it mm-hmm. meant to me. Mm-hmm. So and I, I definitely remember being a kid, if if I did put on this album, it was to listen to like two or three songs and that was it. Okay. So because a lot of these I get this I get the feeling that a lot of these are covers that she had in her set that she just did when she was performing live and they recorded or ones that she had recorded to go on albums and either hadn't been cleared yet or decided not to put the cover on the album. So it, it seems like it was stuff that she already had in her back pocket, either as, as, as a song she could just put out or, you know, live versions that she had done in her, her live sets. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, this is song, probably going to be our shortest episode ever. Could could be. I mean, the, this song, the someday song, was okay. Um, I thought it was pretty decent. I did like. She had. I, I felt like she had a little bit more passion in the chorus. Like, so her voice kind of came out a little bit more. Um, a little, just a little bit more oomph to it. Um, which I appreciated that. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Written by a guy named Robbie Robertson, who is a Canadian singer-songwriter, uh, musician, actor, uh, film composer, did a lot of, did, has done a bunch of stuff, um, and was the primary song uh, songwriter for the band The Band. Oh yeah, oh, nice. And if you kind of remember that name, um, I I have listened to I've listened to their version of this too, and I again I I I think it's just because I've heard her version more that I prefer her version of the, of the songs, um, and it is a it is called Twilight. Over by the wild wood, it was a hot summer night. We lay in the tall grass till the morning light comes shining. If I had my way, I'd never get the urge to roam. But sometimes I serve my country, sometimes I stay at home. Just don't put me in a frame upon the mantle. Where memories grow dusty, old and gray. Don't leave me alone in the twilight. Twilight is the longest time of day. So, obviously, this was one of the live versions, and you can tell right away, you can hear the ambience of the room. Um, I can't remember if you can hear the clapping at the end. They probably can. Um, so the original version is a little bit more of a 70s folk rock version. Hmm. Um, so obviously this is just her and the guitar. So you, she's going to put her twist on it to be able to do her version. Um, but I, st- I actually still rather enjoy it. I mean, it's shorter. It's I think it's the shortest song on this whole album. Yeah. And even under, though it's just her and the minutes, guitar... Yeah. Uh, even though it's the shortest, uh, or even though it's just her and the guitar, I think the way she picks the guitar makes it feel like it's a, it's a, it moves a little bit faster for a slow song. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I, I did, I did not go listen to them to the original. I feel like I probably should. On uh, this mm. one, I might, I might appreciate that better because my notes on this one, it's decent, but it's starting to sound similar to other tracks to me. I'm getting. I feel like I'm getting a bit of a deja vu vibe on all this guitar and her voice, and that's it. Well, and, we, and, and it's understandable because, like, it seems like every other song on this album is a live one, and most of those are mm-hmm. just her and the guitar, yeah. because that's how you know a lot of those singer songwriters were tour. And she, you know, her voice sounds like her voice, and she's gonna inflect the way that she normally mm-hmm. inflects. So yep. it's understandable, but I, I still think it's a good song. Okay. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one. Written by a guy named Jimmy Webb, who is uh, mostly just known as a singer, songwriter, composer. Um, and the, but he's most uh, probably the most well-known written song uh, was MacArthur Park. Okay, yeah, that is a song I know. Yeah, uh, and it is called "If These Walls Could Speak." What a tale they'd have to tell. Heart 
like the like the story she that well I shouldn't say she tells it. it's not her song but I kind of like the story that goes along with it and I feel that's probably why she chose the song um, because these singer songwriters you know, telling a story I think is a big part of what they do and that's what's important like like because because a lot of other stuff is going on you have to like listen to their story because they're telling different stories and different stuff yeah yeah and so it, anytime you have someone that's just a guitar in them if they're if if what they're doing on the guitar is not like just like weirding you out because it's so cool, um, or you know if if um, if what you're singing it doesn't have a lot of substance to it, you're not going to hold the audience. So if you're a singer songwriter, you got to be able to hold them some way, and most of the time it's going to be through the story of the song, and you you're going to want to listen to the lyrics. You know, I mean, when I. <laughs> When I go out and listen to most pop songs now, I don't. It, the focus is not on the words, mm-hmm. it, or it's not on like the lyrics. It might be a focus on like one word, which gets repeated over and over yeah. and over and over and over again. Um, and I can't believe I'm bringing this into a Sean Colvin thing, but if I hear the term "wet ass pussy" one more time, I'm gonna. <laughs> Everybody's fucking talking blow about my it. Mind everybody's talking about that song and it's not yeah. that good of a song i listen to no. it it's not a good song no, it really is not there's no they, substance I mean, they, to it people people just figure i mean they're just like oh my god it's she's talking about a wet ass pussy i guess not enough people out there have have uh wetted a couple <laughs> pussies i've met plenty of them and guess what <laughs> it's not that big of a deal <laughs> yeah i mean oh, it's a big man. deal it's a good deal <laughs> But I wasn't trying to go into some, that part of the story. I know. I just, just adding my flair. I found something <laughs> I could talk about. You got to take it somewhere, don't you? Yes. So, um, my thoughts on if these walls could speak. I thought it was decent, but it's starting to sound like some other tracks to me. I've, I kind of feel like I'm getting a deja vu on all this whole acoustic guitar and her voice thing. You know, I'm starting to get a deja vu on your comments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Let's 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 talk the WAP album, John, or whatever that was. <laughs> then I'll then I'll get more into it. See, whenever when people say WAP, I think of that other. That other oh, I know song. it's a, well. I, when I hear it, I I I still think of like the racial slur, like a like a a dago that thing. Like that's not good. Like a dago WAP. Like that's not that's that's a bad thing oh, for okay. like an Italian. Um, it's a, it, for me. I thought it was a it was a racial slur for a long time, and the, but they're she's turning it. She's she's taking the word and. <laughs> Flipping it and turning it, and <laughs> she's made it her own. Well, it make, that makes me think, and I cannot remember when the song came out, so I don't know if it's like mid-2000s, early-2000s, late-90s, um, and I, I don't know if it was like a like a hip-hop song or whatever. I just remember that the chorus is just some guy going, wop, 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 huh. wop. I don't remember and I that. cannot remember the name of the song. I just remember that it, I thought that that song is a better song than yeah. Cardi B's version. Yeah, it's, just, it's, not, that good. it's, not, it's not good. It's not. All right. Well, let's see if we can pull you in with the the last couple because the the last uh, the last uh, couple songs were written by some pretty big name uh, mm-hmm. singer songwriters and groups, and the our number eleven one uh, was a Talking Heads song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called "This Must Be the Place." Naive melody. So I did listen to the Talking Heads version, and it sounds like a Talking Heads song when they do it. So it's it's got their sort of brand, and this this does sound different. 
um, because it is basically just I think just her and her the her and the guitar for most of this, mm-hmm. um, if not all of it. I can't remember the end what happens, but um, it's an I think it's an interesting take on a Talking head song. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, I I thought to myself when this one came up, finally another song that I've actually heard before. I've been waiting since every little thing she does is magic to be like a song that I actually know and I can compare it to. And I'm Mm. like, all right, all right, all right. I'm excited for this one. And it's like, she's taking these fucking songs and she's (laughs) Sean calling them, them up so fucking much. She's stripping them from any substance and they all just get molded into the same fucking generic singer songwriter folk sound. Every goddamn thing on this whole fucking album sounds the exact same. And she took an awesome song by the talking heads and she shot it right in the fucking talking head. She took a gun and shot herself in the talking head. This song sucks. Why are you mad, bro? I guess because I'm so tired of the same sound. Everything sounds the <laughs> same. And here is a song that I actually do appreciate and I like it. Um, and then this I gotta one, tell I'm just you, like, Ugh. I got to tell you, dude, the t- this this talking heads song, the talking heads version sucks. I hate it. You suck. I hate, I suck. hate the talking heads version. No I'll way. be honest with no you. Way. Most of the talking heads songs I don't like. And I don't, that's why I don't Talk, like you. Talking Heads is like a band where I can't listen to their entire discography. I've only got to pick out certain songs. <sighs> I this one, I was, I was not along for the ride, but I was joining in. And then this one, when I finally heard it, I was just it's just flipped the trigger around. Like I'm done with you, Sean Colvin. I'm fucking done with you. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, Adam! It is not that big of a deal. She butchered it. She did not butcher it. It is it is a fine singer songwriter version of this song, and in my place, in my case, in my opinion, she actually sings it better. Than you David you could have you could have put any other song in its place, even with their lyrics, and I've been like, well, is that her take? It sounds just like every other song in the fucking album. Yep, <laughs> that must be the one. Like you could rearrange, you could rearrange all the to- song titles, and I would never know which one was which because <laughs> <laughs> they all sound goddamn. <laughs> All right, so let's get tired. this shit over with. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> let's get to the end. Last one's a Bob Dylan song called You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When You Go. Well, I've seen love go by my door. It's never been this close before. It's never been so easy or so slow. I've been shooting in the dark too long. Something's not right, it's wrong. All right, let me hear it. Just get your shit out now. Well, I said I can tell she's trying to be a little bit quirky on this song. Like it seems a little bit quirkier. And then my notes are, eh, it's fine. What's your and definition of quirky in this case? Well, it just sounds, it's just, it's just, she's got a little bit, the pickier guitar. She's picking a little bit more than on other songs. Um, and also her cadence, the way that she's singing, her cadence is a little bit, just, she, she, she mixes it up. And so it's a okay. little bit less stale, but it's still, it's still not special to me. I'm not, I'm not digging it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to bother asking you what your final thoughts are on the album. <laughs> so I think it's a fine album. Well, what, I enjoy what the singer. What were your thoughts on, the, on that last song though? It's fine. I've never it's been fine, a huge yeah. Bob Dylan fan, so. Okay. All right. It's a it's a it's a fine song. It's not my favorite one on the album. Mm-hmm. So I still do. I still enjoy the singer songwriter, but I like I played guitar. I was I was that douchebag yeah. in high school. Yeah. So uh, I was never a big singer though. So that's the thing. Um, but I enjoy the the process of of guitar playing and um, the songwriting process. And so I probably enjoy this more because I played guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played in bands who sang songs similar to this one. You know, I I was I played with a bunch of guys who were like guitar players, singer songwriters, that sort of thing, and we just formed a band around them. Yeah. So uh, I definitely think I appreciated it a lot more that way. Also, just what I mentioned at the top of what it meant to me, 
So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, got. I respect that nostalgic value that you have for sure. All right. Uh, I if if you like, despite what Adam said, uh, <laughs> if you like any of this sort of style, and maybe maybe you didn't pick out a song, I really do urge you to go listen to her album Fat City. I think it's my favorite one um, of hers, where she's doing more of her original stuff. And it's all studio style, so it's with the full band mostly most mm-hmm. of the time and that sort of thing. I think you really will enjoy it. So uh if, even if Adam has anything else to add, I'm just gonna end <laughs> it right there. And that was our review of the Sean Colvin album Cover Girl. Please join us next time as Adam and I go Buck Wild as we break down the nineteen eighty nine movie Uncle Buck, discuss the nineteen eighty nine cartoon series Camp Candy and recast Uncle Buck using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.